Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen, and Gregor McGregor. Not the Easter weekend that Bristol City were hoping for. We'll look back on the Reading game and the defeat of Sheffield Wednesday. And of course, the huge match this Saturday, which could potentially define Bristol City's season against Derby. Uh, Psycho Jenna will be talking about him as he's been recalled to Bristol City. And also, we'll be hearing from the Academy. Uh, Gregor, let's begin with Reading. Uh, just a point on Friday. Did Bristol City deserve more, or did Reading come and get what they deserved? It's probably the right result, really. Reading came, yeah, they were exactly as we thought they would be. They were athletic, really tough to play through, created a few chances themselves, uh, obviously got the first goal and then sat back a little bit. And yeah, Bristol City couldn't break them down, couldn't couldn't really create great chances. And yeah, it was probably a fair result, I think, in the end, but... People, we, we sort of said before the game, do not underestimate Reading because yeah. they're in some good form. Mm-hmm. I think Jose Gomez was saying after the match, basically, that since he's been appointed, if you look at all the results, then they would be solidly mid-table and mm-hmm. actually not too far away from the playoff positions themselves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they've still got some very good players at Reading. It's a bit of a mystery for me why they've been down the bottom of the league. Yeah, really they season. were terrible when I saw them earlier in the season, but he does seem to have had a big impact. Um Sort of looking back at that, though, has that been the story of Bristol City season? They can't kill these teams off that are below them? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, at the time of speaking now, it's only one win at home, I think, in the last six matches. One win in five home and away. So, yeah, un- unfortunate timing for a slump in form, but that's what happens in this league for every team. But also, yeah, particularly at home, you're right. It's been the Achilles heel of this season. We've spoken about it in depth, isn't it? And it, yeah, not being able to put away the, the teams at the bottom of the table. For me, the reason for that majorly is just this squad maybe just needs that little bit more quality. Mm. And I think they'll add that in the summer. And regardless, I'm skipping on a bit, obviously. Here, but <laughs> but I, I think that will come one way or another. So, yeah, no, no, nothing to worry about in the long term. But yeah, unfortunately, short term, it might come back to bite them at the moment yeah because we thought four points from six would be good for Easter weekend it was one from six because of the defeat on Monday where it just seemed it wouldn't go Bristol City's way did it yeah it was a weird one really because Chef Wednesday probably started the game the better first 15 minutes and probably ended the game the better side as well for the last 15 minutes but the hour in between, Bristol City were probably the better side, but they didn't really come to life until Barry Bannon had scored. Yeah. Worldy. Yeah, and this is the thing. I mean, Sheffield Wednesday, I kind of wrote about this beforehand, they've scored so many long-range screamers Adam this Reach season. Adam Reach has scored a few. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he's got some crackers. And then obviously Forrest Thierry against Norwich the week before. Yeah, so you've got to shut these guys down in midfield. It's something to keep an eye out for and, yeah, Bannon's shot was just something else, Yeah, really. it was, you, you can't really legislate for that. But what about team selection? Did Johnson get it right against Sheffield Wednesday? I mean, Nicholas Eliasson played. Yeah, it's a good question because 
I think he should have gone for three at the back, which is what he did. So I've got no complaints there. And I actually thought Bristol City in the end did perform pretty well. I mean, we've just been discussing, but according to the XG, well, actually, I don't know what the XG was for that game, but I assume it's probably quite close because if you look at the chances for both sides, there there were some really decent opportunities for the Robins, Mm. particularly that that one right at the end where Josh Brownhill um, has the chance. He just got to beat Cameron Dawson and Dawson pulls off a kind of miracle reaction save and ironically is exactly the same as we've seen recently from Max O'Leary um, sort of close quarters just how has he got to that you mm. know maybe Brownie should have finished it a bit more in the corner I have to say leading up to that it was a brilliant pick out from Casey Palmer and I, I thought he did look pretty smart coming off from the bench and in hindsight yeah to go back to your question maybe Palmer should have started ahead of Eliasson because you've got mm. the middle three there but he doesn't want to start Palmer yeah I I don't know why that is. Obviously, we're not privy to what happens behind closed doors. What's he like on the training pitch, um, etc. And I have to say, I'm one of the ones who was calling for more starts for Nicholas Eliasson because let's not forget that he set up the the goal against Reading. You know, he was sixth official assist of the season, but he's actually had more assists than that. But because of the strange way they they measure these things, if somebody gets a slight touch on them, mm. he doesn't get the assist. But He's been brilliant for me, Larson, this this season. Really developed, had a real breakthrough. And yes, he should have started more. Some Somebody picked me up at, actually after the last podcast and said, hold on, you called for three at the back and then you also want Larson to play. How does that work? Yeah. Well, I think City do need to play three at the back, but probably more in away games and, and at home. Maybe you need that more attacking side and where, uh, yeah, maybe four at the back, allowing Larson to play out wide. So, yeah, Palmer... Not too sure. I get, maybe we're going to see that in the in the final few games, and yeah, probably is a little bit suited to that three in the middle that they use for away games. Okay, let's see what Lee Johnson said after the Sheffield Wednesday game. Well, we went for it. I mean, we we were trying to win from the start. You know, we wanted to win the game. There's no doubt in that. Um, at half time, I wanted a couple to raise their intensity, um, and I thought they did in the second half. And at that point. Like I said, I felt we played the better football um, without having that killer instinct and, and putting the opposition uh, to the sword, if you like. Well, is it leave the top six place now? Yeah, I think what, well and truly open. Like, uh, do you know what I mean? We've got to focus on ourselves. We we play Derby next week in a, in a packed Ashton Gate, I'm sure, and it becomes uh, almost like a... Um, a cup final, doesn't it? And, uh, and then there's two other cup finals after that. And uh, we've got to take fans, you know what I mean? Everywhere we go now, we've got to pack out the gate for the game against Derby. And uh, we've got to believe until the very end. Yeah, disappointed Lee Johnson there. He said they went for it, just didn't quite work against Sheffield Wednesday. What about Jamie Patterson? Um, perhaps not been fully fit. And maybe he wasn't honest with his manager about that? Or did I read that wrong? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's as sort of clandestine almost as that, like as if he was holding anything back. I, I think basically, yeah, he's maybe... Because Lee we, Johnson pulled him in for a chat, didn't he? Or did Jamie Patterson go to Lee Johnson? I think Jamie Patterson went to okay. Lee Johnson and said, listen, I've got a problem with my knee or whatever it was, yeah. I can't remember. And uh, I'm not 100%. So I, I think that's great that he's that he's able to yeah. to be that honest with Lee and obviously he's been pulled out of the firing line a little bit there, maybe a longer-term problem because he's not been included the last two games. But, yeah, I actually think they maybe could have done with Patterson. I, I feel like maybe they, they've, been, they've missed something in the, the last few games. And, have you seen that maybe, sort of 
we talked about it in January, Creative Spark. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Calme Dowder's another one. Maybe if yeah. they could have just had him in the last few games. Before we move on, I, I want, did you notice that strange stat off the back of the Reading game, by the way? What's that? About Mita, the guy who scored. Yeah. Did you Yaku see that Mita, one? Yaku Mita, no yeah. one knows how to say his name. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, had, he didn't complete a single pass. Yes, I all, saw this. In the game. But he had two shots on target or something. And, and scored one goal. Yeah. But that is, how does that happen? Incredible, isn't it? I, maybe his teammates don't want to pass him the ball, but he scored like 11 goals it's <laughs> in the season. absolutely amazing, so, isn't so it? So maybe they should. Yeah, he's been a man in form for them. I think he's got something like seven goals in the last seven games or something. Just getting back yeah. to that Bristol City game, is that something they can cope with his physicality? Or? Yeah, I think so. They're just really well organised and... Um, got their foot in. I always felt with that one, whoever got the first goal, it was going to be a huge boost for them. Mm. And fair play to City. I mean, um, let's not forget, they obviously have come back again. They've done uh, a from, lot this season. Yeah, from behind. The, the problem was that it's the fifth time in the last seven home games that they've conceded the first goal. And you just can't keep doing that. No. They've got to start games better. They've got to score the first goal. Um, maybe they're going to do that on, on Saturday. Saturday. It would be a good time to, time to rectify that. You know, we can, we can talk about home form all we want, but they've only got one home game left if they don't make the playoffs. So that home game could define their season. And actually, maybe it's not great that it's at home, which seems mad. You think on paper that Bristol City have the advantage against Derby on, on Saturday, but maybe they'd prefer it if they were going um, up to their place. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be such a big game, isn't it? Final home game, they'll do their club awards and things like that after, after the match. Derby County, there's that stat going around as well. They haven't won away from home, have they, this year, 2019? So everything to play for. And I've just been speaking to my colleagues up in Derby and Middlesbrough. We've all been discussing, like, the final run-in, what's going to happen. But it's one of three, isn't it? Yeah. Although Swansea also have a game in hand. Yeah. So I I don't think they'll do it, but don't discount them. because They've got that game against Derby, Derby, haven't they? That would be interesting if they won it, but... I mean, Swansea theoretically could still sneak in. I don't think they will, though. I do think it's between Borough, D- Bristol City, and, and I Derby. Do. Yeah, I and do. I don't think Bristol City are going to do it now. That's you know, that I, I feel terrible saying that. I just think they've lost that momentum that they had just a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and Borough have now got that momentum. I agree, and I think on paper Borough have got the fixtures you you choose. I know mm-hmm. everybody might be saying, "Oh, Rotherham at home isn't going to be easy on the final day." Well, Rotherham might be relegated by then, so we'll have to see. And it's still a bottom of the table side on your home patch. So yeah, I just feel like they've got the wind in their sails, really, Middlesbrough um, at the moment. Although they got stuffed saying that, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, by Forest last time out. Yeah, um, actually, I forget. Yeah, of course, it was three 0 to Forest on Easter Monday. Uh, but Good Friday, they won against Stoke, and then they had the the, the one against Hull before that. Maybe, maybe that is, Forest result will upset them a little bit. Indeed, is is there a bit of destiny as well coming to play here? Because you've got possibly Derby meeting. Leads, in yeah, the I know, I know that a lot of people are it's saying it's going to be choice, probably, isn't yeah, Bielsa against Lampard and things like that. But if we, if we turn our attention to this Saturday, do you think they have to win this game to make the playoffs? Yes, I do. I think with 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 the fixtures Borough and Derby have got, I just think I just think Borough will win maybe both of their games. So yeah, City, they. What are the permutations? They'd have to win both Middlesbrough at seven points. It might. It's two wins enough. Yeah, I think seven points might be enough. Uh, so that's two wins in a draw. Yeah, two wins in a so draw. So they've got to get result from every single game. Yes. Do you right. really see that happening right now? Not too sure about that. No, uh, but the thing is, this 
the way again, it falls, if they start winning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if, they win, if they win against Derby, the momentum they'll get... Oh. It's basically do what's up. They've got to just go from game to game now, which is obviously what, what we're saying. What, yeah. they, what, what they'll do, but but if they can pick up the win, yeah, momentum. They go to Millwall and thinking now we've got to win again. Maybe Millwall might be safe by then. Or depends what happens at the weekend. Then then who knows? Yeah, maybe. It, it's it's like literally the final week of the season. We're talking about Bristol City going for this playoff place. This is much better than you or I expected. Yes, yeah, absolutely. We didn't suggest this at the start of the season. I should say as well, I'm still tipping them not to do it, remember, because... That's your uh, reverse yeah. psychology there, right? E- exactly. So you got, Whereas I'm, I'm genuinely thinking they might not do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you'd asked me two weeks ago, I thought they might, you know, when they, when they picked up some amazing results and they went on another run and, you know, when they beat West Brom and, and you know, beat Middlesbrough. But now I'm not, I'm not so sure. I think that Villa loss has really dented their confidence. Yeah, I, I just think it's the home form. They just needed to win maybe just one of those games, either Reading, yeah. Wigan, um, who else we've had well, to, But when um, you go further back and you think, I, I'm, we'll come on to this when, it, when we do our end of season podcast and we look further back, but just briefly, when you think things like, for me, the Birmingham game stick out in my mind and you think they could have just picked up points here and there mm. and they wouldn't be behind, well, they might not even be behind Villa at this point who are guaranteed that playoff spot. Does it feel like there's been quite a few, despite doing so well, missed opportunities? Yeah, to an extent. But kind of going back to what I was saying before, I just, just, I, I don't feel Bristol City are in a false place. I feel like they, they yeah. are as good as the league table say they are. Yeah. And yeah, they may be short of just that little bit of quality to go a little bit higher. They, they can still do it. They've got a great team spirit I think they've I think they've overachieved this season so far myself I think Lee Johnson's done another he's done a great job I think the club have done a great job this year we didn't say at the beginning of the season we thought they were going to be this high we said said like mid-table didn't we up mid-table exactly so yeah that's that's where they are maybe a little bit higher they they should finish in the top eight and I think that would be fantastic and set them up well, for next season. But I know we're saying it's phenomenal, but then if you're a Bristol City fan right now, you're also thinking, oh, come on, like, we're here now. This is an opportunity. You know, I saw the fans column and the fans saying, you know, this is an opportunity now. And it's almost like last season we didn't take it. So can they take it this season? But maybe, Gregor, it's just that final, I guess, that final inch. They're not quite there. Yeah, I mean, I've just seen somebody tweeting online saying, how come the game at the weekend hasn't sold out? Um, it's 23,000 at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, and and it's, there's a few people saying this is the club's biggest game possibly since 2008 and the, the, yeah, yeah. the championship Gary playoff Johnson final. Area. So, yeah, it's that huge. Honestly, if they win then, three points against Derby and they'd have such great momentum for the Millwall game, they might well do it. So... I'm surprised that there are still seats available. It might sell out before the, the weekend. Why? And Why? I don't know. I, maybe, maybe yeah, the fan base has still got a bit to grow. Um, the, the underlying numbers uh, are that it's it would, on the way up, okay. aren't they? So it, they are is, growing. Yeah, but this is the cynic in me. It would sell out for Manchester United or Manchester City. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. They, maybe there just isn't enough love for City at the moment, but... It's, it's kind of organic. You, you have to kind of pick these people, people up on the way. Mm. That is unfortunately how football works, isn't it? The more success you have, the more people come and watch you. Watch but you play. they're not under the radar by any means. Everyone can look at the championship table and see how well they're doing. Is it things like ticket prices? 
I, what is it? It's a three o'clock Saturday kickoff. I mean, it's a normal time for a game. No, I don't think so. I mean, I've, again, I've seen some debate of that, but I think you can get tickets at the moment for around 27 to 32 quid still. So I, I don't think that's too unreasonable for a, basically a, a game that will go a long way to deciding who, who gets into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting finish whatever and um, Bristol City have played some pretty attacking football let's not forget there's a lot of local guys involved and I think the club are probably doing the right thing in in the way that they're slowly moving forward and they're not too far away I think they'll get it right it's funny that we pinpointed this game ages ago didn't we we said that game at the end of April and it seemed ages away at that point that could define their season but that is it do you think this defines their season I do and I I, I am confident, by the way, for the, this weekend. From yeah, from the game they played up at Derby, when they actually surprised me that day, but they played really well. Uh, amazing goal from Jamie Patterson that day, and I also thought City had several good chances on the counter. And I'm not convinced about Derby. I haven't been convinced about them for a while. And everybody will be thinking, yeah, it's going to be Derby leads in the playoffs. And I still think City have got a good chance of yeah rewriting that script and doing it, but. As we've said so many times, home form, maybe it'll come down to how nervy the Ashton Gate crowd is at the weekend. What about Frank Lampard? First season as a manager, he's done pretty well, hasn't he? Yeah, it's difficult times. They're obviously cost-cutting a bit, and I think they're going to do a bit more cost-cutting in the summer, judging from Mel Morris's mm. recent comments. I think this is a major thing for City, that a lot of clubs are going to be cost-cutting in the summer, mm. whereas I see City as going the opposite direction. But they you can still have that money from Flint, Reed, and Brian. Yeah, that comes onto the books, really, and, yeah, they'll be able to spend a little bit. They wanted to spend a bit in January, so they'll be... We've kind of reported on this before. They'll be looking to bring players in for sure in the summer, and um, it could be fairly fairly busy. Not, not hugely busy, but fairly busy. Talking of, of spending, I've got to talk to you about this. Um, about what's happening with the EFL and, and spending at the moment and this dispute over um, the financial statements of Derby, Sheffield Wednesday and Villa. And apparently majority of championship clubs led by the borough owner, Steve Gibson, um, have been meeting at Nottingham Forest City Ground to vote on a change in the EFL rules. Now, at the time of recording, we don't know the outcome of this. Um the meeting, this happened on Wednesday and we don't know the outcome because we're recording before we know the outcomes, was expected to be pretty fiery because Villa and Sheffield Wednesday really wanted to keep the rules, as they are for financial fair play, unchanged. Now, if it is, I think they thought it was unlikely that there'd be any sort of breach of regulation, but if they were, it would have led to points to deductions this campaign. Yeah, I, I've seen that. Yeah, they they actually changed the le- legislation. I think wasn't it last summer? I believe. To... Uh, yeah, I think here we go. Um, it was two years ago. Uh, the profit, uh, profitability and sustainability rules, former they're called financial fair play, yeah. states that clubs cannot lose more than thirty nine million over a three year period, and the sanctions available to the league include transfer bans and mm. points deductions. And we saw it with Birmingham. Yeah, and I think there's been a clarification that basically they will use the what clubs are projecting in the third year. So that means basically, because some people have said, how are Villa getting away with it this yeah. year? That's all going to be taken into account. And they would be in big trouble if they don't go up. They, yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I think there's going to be there's going to be a whole lot of cost cutting at a lot of clubs. It's going to be very interesting to see. I, I'm going to give a shout out actually to Lee Johnson as well at this point because remember. Um, Lee did actually say it in this 
sort of, I think it was last summer, and certainly the, at the beginning of this season, that it was going to be a very interesting time for a lot of clubs. Because, yes, yeah. Because obviously they're, they're maybe not selling as much as they should have done. And in fact, they're sort of got gambling, as they have done, on on reaching the promised land. But, I mean... It's a huge gamble. Yeah. Do you ever read any of um, Andy Holt's... Um, Sort of no. threads that he puts on Twitter. Oh, on Twitter. From, yeah, from the Accrington Stanley um, chairman. And yeah. He's, he's very interesting, I think, with his analysis of the EFL and oh, basically how. Did you see the thread the other day about literally how, how clubs gamble? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he, he essentially it. said that each season a lot of clubs gamble on going up, and if they don't, they're stuffed if they get found out. If they look into their books properly, which, you know, that does happen a lot. And we know that what, what was Bristol City this season then? In terms of financially, where were they at? They were. I know we discussed it in detail. We did. They 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 were selling a little bit close to the, the line. Million, wasn't yeah, it? but yeah, for this for the for the last year and over the longer period, yeah. But because they made those sales, they'll be fine. Exactly. They'll, that will come back into account. They'll it's hard. I don't, yeah. I don't know if if, if you know f- football fans. I'm sure football, a lot of football fans have an appreciation for it, but it's amazing how money dictates football now you know if this is why they have financial fair play obviously but if some teams are flouting the rules which is you know what some people are saying then is it right they get the points deduction to make it a level playing field I mean look at what happened to Birmingham yeah I think we're going to see the chickens well and truly coming home to roost and basically yeah there's going to be some punishments handed out I believe over the next year I think we're going to continue to see some Clubs in trouble, and the other thing is maybe, maybe um, a lot of supporters don't realise this. But I have a little understanding on the other side of the fence from speaking to people in the game. That at the same time, the wage levels of players are, are rocketing off the back of TV deals and from the Premier League. Um, also, we've spoken about this many times. Um, Premier League parachute payments yeah. empowering some clubs. There's there's such a disproportion there. That is massive financial spread. Yeah, so. It is really difficult if you don't have those those finances behind you. And it's interesting to see how the likes of Sheffield United have had such tremendous success. And I, and I feel Bristol City to a degree as mm-hmm. well. In terms of utilising the loan market, I think we're going to see clubs doing that a bit more and bringing in players on loan rather than buying them outright. So um, certainly for fees anyway. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting summer ahead. And I mean, the Sheffield Wednesday owner, for one, has already said, hasn't he, that they're going to have to... Um, they're going to be in trouble if they don't go up and it doesn't Well, they're not like, going up, are they? Yeah. So, um, talk of loans, Saiku Jenner is is back at Bristol City. Um, tell us about his period away and why he's back. Is he going to feature? Yeah, so the club hasn't actually said anything officially on this, but I do mean to ask them at the next available press conference and get that confirmed. But Gary Johnson has confirmed it himself and said that basically he's gone back to Bristol City and From my... Yeah, from Torquay, and he's just won the league with Torquay as one of four players down there from City, along with Opie Edwards, Connor, Lemon Hay, Evans and Jake Andrews, and all four of those guys have, have played really well at times mm. down there for the goals. And, yeah, my understanding is that City want to have a close look at Seku, and it's the same situation with Antoine. Get him involved, they see him... Match day squad before the end of the season? Yeah, possibly, possibly. I mean, only if the, if the situation arises yeah. whereby... 
we don't know what's going to happen. It might be that they go up to Hull and there's nothing to play for, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. one way or another. And, he, yeah, he might then get a, a place on the bench. Remember this time last year, Antoine Semenyo was not a, a guy that many of us had heard about or knew much about, and yet he was involved against Sheffield United, yes. making his uh, league debut then. And, yeah, it's a tremendous story with Seku. He's, he's a striker. He's 19 years old. I've seen him play a few times, playing for the under-23s. What I can say about him is he's always struck me as one of those few young players who had a real physical presence about him on the pitch. Um, and also, coupled to that, I know that his attitude is absolutely spot on. He's, he, the, way he, uh, the way he approaches the game, he's very professional. He's also a really great guy. If you remember, we had... Dave Hockaday on not so long ago, uh, not so long ago, talking about him, and also spoke to a former coach of his, Patrick Williams of the Bristol Inner City Football Academy, and now Seku was down there for some four years. Um, Patrick was telling me, and uh, basically one of the things that Seku would do is uh, during half term, for example, he would he told me a story about how he'd climb over the walls to get back in and practice, and it's this kind of dedication wow. that. Um, Patrick hasn't seen in many players that have come through uh, the Bristol Inner City Football Academy and, and I have to point out as well that they've had some other successes with Opie Edwards coming through there James Morton who's been down at Bath City is very highly rated and um, and possibly Aurora I can't, I can't pronounce his name Aurora Edwards who is on loan sorry is on trial at Bristol City at the moment and might okay. well be Registered as a city player, I think there might be a compensation issue to settle there because he's been at Newport. Um, I mean, so it could be three or four players. I mean, talk about the young loans that you just talked about, four of them at Torquay. It's also credit, you know, we had him on the podcast a couple of months ago, Brian Tinian, to the job he's doing, isn't it? And he's across all these players and he's, he's doing a great job. Brian's doing a fantastic job, really fantastic job. I've asked the club a couple of times about Brian because I have this controversial theory, I might have explained this before, and maybe this... Yeah, maybe a lot of City fans are going to disagree with me. But I actually think maybe Brian's sort of contribution to the club now is as big as that left-footed strike that he scored <laughs> when he was up at Anfield. But that is uh, like a longer-term piece I'm working on anyway. But yeah, Brian's doing a fantastic job. You know, we know he's, he's getting these loans and these guys are experiencing senior f- uh, men's football. And it, and it bodes so well when you look at the guys coming through still at City. Lloyd Kelly... England under 21s. Mm. Uh, let's not forget Zach Viner, who's had a good season at Rotherham. Some some fans have been saying, "Oh, the Rotherham fans haven't taken too uh, um, too well to Zach." I've spoken to Paul Warner a couple of times. He is massively imp- impressed mm. by Zach Viner, and that is by no means sort of uh, the, the true reading of Zach's season. There, he, he's had a really solid campaign there, playing at least thirty times in in a very good Championship defence, and he'll come back and really um, supplement City in the summer. Obviously, you've got um, Antoine Semenyo, who came on at the weekend again at Sheffield Wednesday. Mm. um, He gave a a good account of himself again then, and I think there's a lot more to come from Antoine. I believe he's going to be a key player going forward for City. Um, And yeah, obviously, Seku involved as well, Um, not to mention, obviously, the guys who left last summer. So yeah. A boom time for the Bristol City Academy. Well, it's a good time to bring us on to the Bristol City Academy. Just tell us who this is then, Gregor. You went down and um, chatted to them uh, last week. and we'll bring you some of that now. So who was it that you went and spoke to? Um, I spoke to Gary Prober, who is the Academy Manager, Gary Davenport, who's the Assistant Academy Manager, and Dave Horseman, who's sort of the Head of Coaching down there. And I have to, I want to sort of say before this, that 
I was massively excited about this and massively excited about this because I've been wanting to speak to these guys for a while. Mm. Um, obviously, it, it takes a while to get these things sorted out, but it was fantastic to meet all three of those and hear, quite frankly, some brilliant stories behind the scenes and what goes on at the Academy and, and get some real insight into what I think is probably one of the best academies in the Championship right now. If you look at the players coming through, um, it's something we discussed when I was over there and, um, yeah, just to hear about the, the different paths that some of these players have taken, um, the work that goes into it, the hours and hours, the coaching as well. Because I've spoken to some of the guys over there at different levels of the game, under-23s, Luke Williams and Alex Ball before, also um, Trevor Chalice running the under-18s, obviously, you know, um, Brian Tinian. Yep. We've spoken to Marvin Brown before. He was a strikers yep. coach um, as well. We've heard from him. So, yeah, fantastic to hear from some of these guys. And especially, I want to give a shout out to Dave Horseman because I think, well, you might remember, I spoke to Bobby Reed last season in a press conference and I said to hit Bobby, who are the coaches that have most impressed you in the time you've been at Bristol City, and he picked out Raphael Burke and David Horseman as as two major impacts on his career, and that is great to hear about. Fantastic. Uh, let's hear a bit of now when you went down to the academy and what happened. Just well, you sort of mentioned Bobby there. I asked Bobby in an interview last season who his main um, uh, the, the coaches that had, had the biggest impact on him, and he actually mentioned yourself, I think, and Raph Burke. Yeah. Um, do, do you still be keeping contact with Bobby? And yeah, so, I spoke to him. About a week ago, yeah. so yeah, I still. I mean, I was lucky enough with this period of play that you're talking about. I remember them as 10, 11 year old kids, and they haven't changed. I think the one thing we had with all the boys that were coming through, and some of the ones you mentioned, they are brilliant people, unbelievable people. They've never changed, they've been unbelievable people since they were 10, 11. So, yeah, look, Bobby's been very kind. Um, He's been back here as well, not so long ago, hasn't he? Am I right thinking that? Yeah. I, think, I think I saw him in the academy tweeted that. Yeah, we came up with the boy yeah. in education, I think. He did, that's right. Yeah, a little while ago, yeah. Was that his idea, or how does that come about? Or, um, I mean, sometimes we, we would ask old Bobby, or and not just the old players, the current players, could you come and speak to player X about this, or speak to the team? I think on that case you just turned up. Mm. You said the text going on nip in the office. I mean, it's not just me. He mentions me. He's worked with people in the office next to next door for years and years and years. And well, he needed a bit of help and support when he was younger. They don't forget it because generally we're quite caring because they're children first. So we do care about. Him. Bobby's Bobby was a great kid. Um, and yeah, anything we ever needed from him, he would always do, because I think he remembers what people sacrificed to help him get to where he is now. And, and likewise, I was lucky enough to speak to Lloyd Kelly at the England Under-21s recently, and I was amazed at how well he spoke. And, um, and he seems a really great guy as well. And likewise, I've heard that about Antoine and Seki as well. Their, their, their attitude is absolutely spot on. Is that really fundamental then? For that, that's from first team down, isn't it? Absolutely. It's the people bit. It's this huge, and it's, we were talking to one of our under 15s uh, last week. Mm -hmm. We went around to his house to speak to his family about certain things, and he's 15. Antoine's 19. Oh, lovely. And we went away last in the last year. We played in Germany in a tournament, and it was an under 18 tournament, I think. Yeah. But because of GCSEs, we took some 15s and 14s because we'd left the 16s in school. So obviously they had to study. 
so we had like 14 year old playing with Antoine and 18 year olds and he said last week didn't he he said come out him about Antoine's my hero my role idol. model my <laughs> idol yeah. we were like wow um, you don't you, you kind of don't think that because they're similar ages and then when and the backdrop to the story was Anton made his debut in Sheffield United on the Saturday. We flew to Germany the following week in an under-18 tournament. Anton's now travelling with 14-year-old kids. He had the option not to come. And he, we said you don't have to. He wanted to come and was the best role model mm-hmm. for some very talented 14-year-old kids. So we saw the parent and the player, don't we, last week. And then we took the boy up to train with the 23s on Friday. He went straight over to Anton. Anton got him in a little headlock, mm-hmm. and they had a bit of a laugh and a joke. And he actually told him, yeah, "Anton, you're my idol. You forget who." <laughs> it was lovely. You forget their children. It's like yeah. a child. That's the people we have here. Yeah. We have great people. And you have great players. Yeah, they, they give you people give you their time, and that's like I said at the start. That's the aspirational bit. Like those boys want to be Antoine. Antoine wants yeah. to be fam. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? There's like a, a natural pecking order, isn't there? So. So- great to hear um david horseman and gary probert talking about you know how they aspire to be the next one almost the next one they've created or looking up to the first team and looking at the fam and wanting to be that player um this next bit's quite interesting though isn't it gregor in terms of the senior coaching staff knowing the players no asking about them wanting to involve them and genuinely looking to field the young young robins in the future and in terms of retaining the best players here um, obviously a couple of names from the past obviously herbie kane and jacob maddox um how do you how do you make sure those guys don't move on elsewhere and they stay at bristol city and they see that their, their, their future is here i guess is that the pathway yeah i think the pathway is a major major point and i think going back to that so the pathway is huge they have to see so boys in the academy now have to see there's an end point in terms of the football I can go through, I can be Lloyd, I can be Max, I can be Anton, I can be Joe, etc. I think that is massive. Um, I also think that connection, so going back when you asked about the first team staff are involved, there's a genuine attachment to our players from our first team staff. So our players, the older players especially, they could go to Fabian today and the staff would know who they are. They would know their name, they'd know what position they play, they'd know a little bit about them. And I think... The power in a young person, if the first team manager knows a 14-year-old boy's name, he knows what position and he's seen you play or train, is unbelievable. That doesn't happen in a lot of other football clubs. So I think it's that, if so family, that'd be a little bit cheesy, but we're all sort of in it together. And I think if you can show the boys a pathway and you can show the boys there's a genuine attachment to them and there's a chance for them and we'll support them with what they need supporting with, I think that goes a long, long way into retaining your talented players. Great to hear then that Lee Johnson is so involved in the academy as well. Uh, if you want to see more on that, there'll be more uh, in the paper and Grover's doing a lot online at the Bristol Live website too. Yeah, we've got some special features coming later this week, so they'll be online and um, yeah, um, readers will be able to uh, take in the, the full account then. So this is our last podcast before the Derby game and the Millwall game. By Millwall and Hull. No, oh. no, Derby mm-hmm. and Millwall. It's our last. We'll, we'll be back before Hull. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I know. I know it's the end of the season, but I will see you before the end of the season. So this is our last podcast before those two key games. Is what I'm saying. Right. right? Yeah. So by the time we come back this time next week, we will know if there's anything to play for on the final day. Is there? going to be anything to play for on the final day? 
No, unfortunately. Well, I've got to stick with it, haven't I? I've said it all along. So I'm, I'm hoping there is, of course. But no, I'm going to, I've got to stick with it and say no. And hopefully I'm going to be wrong like last year when I said that. What, what, what are you saying really? Like, because it doesn't, no, what do you really think? I, I would go for... I, I, I'm always the optimist, so I think yeah, maybe maybe they'll get the win against Derby and uh, they'll probably lose against Millwall then. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It's, it's really hard to call. Okay, so when we come back next week, we'll know. We'll know if there's anything to play for on the final weekend of the season. We'll know if the season's going to be extended. Whether Gregor can't go off on his holidays yet, we will know. All of that. Please join us then. Uh, thank you for listening. If you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us. Robins on the wire.